0: Well, uh, I love this series, and I've enjoyed the three weeks so far, but the next two weeks we're really, really excited about, including today. So uh, today's a subject that I really am passionate about, about being present. And so it's going to be a a fun talk, and and my passion meter's probably high on this one. And then next week is is an interesting subject matter that I just wanted to prep you for, because maybe... Uh, there's been too much silence on this, or it's been a subject that is quick to be thrown the get over it phrase. And that would be the subject of maybe anxiety or depression or bipolar disorder or mental health issues in any way, shape, or form, and dialoguing about what does God's Word tell us about the grace and love that is available for any of us that are challenged with that. And uh, not only us, but maybe this would be a week where we think of, man, I really know someone who needs that talk next weekend. And uh, that he would embolden you and give you the courage to bring them. And, uh, and the courage for yourself to come when you know that that's the subject. Because it's just something that, that has not been addressed enough in the church, but there's so much great counsel from Scripture about how the grace of God is for us in any season, including one of darkness and feeling alone. So it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm excited about that. Um, this This Thursday's Thanksgiving. So for a lot of people, when the holiday kicks in, right, it's stressful. Um, like right now, I know at my house, I'm stressed because I have this pattern of having the Christmas lights up before Thanksgiving, and it means I'm going to have to DVR the game and go on the roof today. And so, you know, pray for me, uh, because I'm I'm, I'm not going to actually experience the game until tonight, and I have to go fast enough that I beat the end of the game, because fireworks may tell me the conclusion, uh, like the result of the game. No fireworks will also tell me the result, and I don't want to be on the house when the fireworks go off, uh, because I'm believing for a victory. So that's just kind of what we're looking for. They, the, our neighborhood blows things up when they win. So got to get off the roof in time to not die. So Christmas lights is a challenge. But not only that, it's the stressful season. It's like, uh, okay, we invited people. Why do we? Why have they not RSVP'd? What have I done? There's tensions. Or, you know, you have the other side. You have the other tension of, man, um, why did they show up? Without fill in the blank. Or who did they show up with? You know, I don't know. It's like there's that tension at Thanksgiving tables. Or maybe it's the first Thanksgiving since fill in the blank. It could be a very emotional time. It could be a hard time that we just look to get through and out the door. And go, okay, it didn't blow up. Right? I don't know what Thanksgiving looks like at your table. Uh, maybe your table is very empty and it's a season of like, oh, this is tough, right? But it's Thanksgiving. And we have opportunities surrounding it um, w- that we can be present, like really genuinely present, and not treat others as a thing to be avoided or abandoned at the quickest moment, but we can just really be there. That's right. Set aside the digital devices. Look at each other's faces. I might disconnect the internet that day somewhere in the house where the cable is unknown which one I've disconnected, right? It's just like, how can we get each other to look up, you know? So that's a challenge nowadays. And, and the food's going to be delicious, and we have usually a lot of people over, and it's a great time of late nights and and joy, but there's still the tension. And then there's the follow-up tension of, okay, now we have to figure out where are we going for the Christmas stuff, like Christmas Eve, Christmas, what year is this? Who's out of town with their in law Oh, man, that is a nightmare to figure out every year. So in between now and Christmas, it's stressful, right? Because you're like, oh, no, they're only in town on this time. Oh, yeah, we're visiting this. And you're trying to align everybody's schedules, and there's an app probably for that, and we need to create it. But uh, it's, it's a challenge. This is the season we're in. It can get a little stressful. And so... This message hopefully can help a little with that. Let's read Romans 12, 9 through 18. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. and Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Oh, yes, let that be pr- let, I claim that passage right there. Okay, moving on. Verse 17. Uh, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Out of that, our big idea for today is being present demonstrates love. Being present demonstrates just genuine love, like real love. Our love for people and our love for Jesus is, demonstration, is demonstrated by our ability to remain present through any season, a rough season, a great season, mourning, rejoicing, but really be there. And uh, a growing challenge is to be present when we're even present. And Whatever the, the bridge may look like, I love this graphic, whatever the bridge may look like in this, this graphic is, is even nailed together, no tracks. It's just kind of piecemealed. Hey, we're going to go through life no matter what season we're in. If we're just piecing this thing together, we're there with you. It's all good. It's all good. So again, Verses 9 and 10 said, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Thought one is hold tight. I love this thought. I just, it's an incredible thought. Hold tight to what is good. Something that maybe if we love the news or the media, in any way, shape, or form, we hear mostly what is bad. And so it's really easy. This week I spent some time at Lake Ridge Middle School doing a, what's called a youth forum. And we ask them, hey, what, are the, what do you like about the community? And then, hey, what are the needs of the community? And it's easier to list needs or problems is the other word. It's easier to see the negative. But this challenge is hold tight to what is good. Jesus is seen through the Gospels, which is uh, the portion of the Bible. It's the New Testament—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's chronically, you know, uh, basically chronicles the life of Jesus from the lens of four different authors. and And he always is hanging out with the weak, the sinners. He's he's present with them. He's connecting with them. And the coolest thing about Jesus is is he's sent by God, his son. And, and he finds himself present with people one-on-one a lot and in crowds, but even in a crowd, he'll focus one-on-one, and there's stories recorded about those interactions. He doesn't just take a magic wand that he was sent from heaven with. Uh, we never see the wand, and, and I don't think he had one. Uh, so, you know, and, and just broad swath the group and say, all of you are healed. Miracle powder, go right? It doesn't happen that way in the text. We never see that. We see people coming up one for one and him engaging with them, listening to understand. He doesn't say, you're healed. He says, what would you like me to do for you? And the person's coming to him blind, like, and he's like, what do you need? You know, they're in a line for a miracle and they're blind, Jesus. What do you think they need, right? It's good that the disciples weren't sarcastic. Uh, Jesus, hello, do you notice anything here? You know, so it's like, but he would ask them, and then they would express their need. Some came to him not with needs of their own, but needs for others that weren't even present, and Jesus healed them. So I just look at his desire to listen, to understand, and know the the scenario, and make an impact. It was a one-on-one thing. Jesus demonstrates present, being present. And when we see somebody that's 99% negative in our, in our judgment and lens, we just say, well, I'm not judgmental. Well, we are. We snap judge, right? We do that. We do. We evaluate people. And we, we look, and it, it, the Bible says in the Old Testament, you know, God can see the heart, but we see the outward appearance that's just how we work, and we have to battle through that. It's a, it's a discipline to not judge the outward appearance of people. So you go and you, you try to uh, listen intently, right? But if we throw out the entire person because 99% is bad when 1% is good, we've done wrong. We've got to somehow hold tight to the 1% that is good. It's a challenge for me. To honor that, right? Especially when I have quotes that I've heard over the course of time, which which are true. Like maybe you've heard that the quote, bad company corrupts good character. Well, I think that's true. But I also think that like Galatians six would challenge us to gently restore those who are caught in sin and to be careful or we too will be tempted, which means don't go at it alone. Don't go try to to save the world by yourself. We need to do this together because we need to hold each other accountable. We need to notice when somebody needs a nudge of how are you doing? Because if we remain silent, then we just let people fall into temptation. When we're going out loving somebody who everybody else is rejecting and they're bad company, we need accountability to check in. How are we doing? Instead of just trying to secretively change the world on our own. Hope that makes sense. Um, I have a few pastors that are are very visible that uh, I follow on Instagram or uh, Twitter. And and it's just so challenging. And we're often going, man, how do they do this? Right? One pastor's Justin Bieber. And, uh, you know... There are times when you're like, how is it going? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, how is, how is this going? And, 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 you know, there's been some ups and downs, very visible, because there's a celebrity personality, right? And so you're going, and, and oftentimes it seems like maybe more downs than ups. And you go, that has got to be a challenge to pastor the beebs, right? And you're just like, but true. But I love it because like even this week, he's like, man, I love you, Justin. And I'm just going, yes, that's the power of being present in any season in somebody's life. And honestly, I think that's a great demonstration of how Jesus loves. That even if, if there's a rough patch or if it's 99 percent, 0.9 percent rough, Sticking through another pastor I follow, which is going to be one of the speakers. Actually, both these pastors are speakers at the youth uh, conference at Generation Unleashed that they're going to in January. Uh, but one of the other pastors is is Kanye and Kim Kardashian's pastor. How would that? How fun there, right? You know. Okay, well, let's do this. And just the favor to to actually be present and do their wedding and 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 like be in their life. What a, and this is what's cool is to hear them even be interviewed about that amongst both, the, whether it's on the Today Show or whether it's Catalyst, a Christian conference, interviewing them about, okay, how are you guys loving celebrities? Because it's not always smooth, right? And, uh, and they're just going, here's the deal. Exactly like this passage says, it is a delight and honor, to hold tight to what is good in these people's lives. I'm like, there's somebody there, and they're held accountable for the world that they're living in. and I think that's a great demonstration for us to be deeply challenged by and really in line with things like my life first, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. I think sometimes the church does really good at sharing the gospel of God, but opening up our life to everyone, not so much, right? So it's a deep challenge to hold tight to what is good. Second thought today, well, first I'll read the passage that leads into it. It's the Romans twelve eleven said, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So the second thought is hard work. It's hard work to be present. It's hard work and it's messy and it's not organized. And there's no steps. There's like not a well, this is the five steps of being present in someone's life that's being challenged, or you know, this is how you do it. And it's it just doesn't work that I remember when I was a brand new pastor. I'm the youth pastor, so I knew everything, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing, John. Okay, so moving on. Uh, no, he doesn't know everything. He's very humble. But I was, I was in that seat. I was the youth pastor, and my pastor was really passionate about visiting people in the hospital. And I had my first youth student who had their parent in the hospital. And so I was given the visiting task, right? So I drive 20 minutes. I I was pastoring in Spokane, so everything was 20 minutes. So I was drive 20 minutes to the hospital and and go in. And like, I don't know what I was really anticipating, honestly. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. All I studied was this little black book that told you like how to pray for people in the hospital. I probably had that in my pocket, Uh, I knew that I was supposed to, like, know Psalm 23 or whatever if I went to the hospital. I knew, you know, just a few things I'd, like, answered on a test and passed at some point in time while studying. But now it was, like, real life. And I kind of was going in, honestly, like, I'm a pastor. I can do this. I'm going into a hospital, you know. And, And I've since learned they let you into places that you should never go when you're a pastor. Like, you know, you say, yeah, I'm their pastor, and they're, oh, well, come on in. You're like, whoa, I did not want to see that. That was, holy moly, give us a like green light, red light scenario. So it was interesting. Um, So I show up to this first visit, and I'm kind of, you know, honestly, I think I was more in it for me than the visit. My heart was in totally the wrong place. I was looking to come in as the pastor hero, pray a prayer. They rise up from the bed, angel voices sound, and it's like, I am pastor and I came. Right? So I was kind of that. It was going to be that moment. And I walk in and I have no idea where I'm going. I'm very lost in this maze of what they call a hospital. I don't know that I'm ever going to get back out to my car. And I'm nervous now, feeling really confused as to where I am. And I ask this person that's at the entryway of the number and hallway that they gave me, and they're, they're, wearing a cross. I figure they're safe, right? And a little badge that says chaplain. I really didn't know what that was. I thought they went in and like did something for people if they died. And so I, because I'm brand new. I really have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, and they go, oh, so you're here to visit them. Oh, well, the family's not here, but I'll lead you back. It's an intensive care unit, and, and, and she's really not doing well. And so this this lady leads me back and strikes open the curtain and I kind of step in not I don't I've never met this person and closes the curtain behind me and it's just me in an unconscious naked person on a bed and I'm going this isn't what I thought This isn't like the moment of the family's here. Oh, good, the pastor's here. Thank you. Hugs, tears. Oh, right. No pride could be taken from this moment. I quickly learned that this mom uh, had multiple sclerosis was never going to know I was in the room, and it was just me, her, and God, and no sheet. I'm just saying, so we're there, and I'm like, Lord, uh," you know, and the Lord challenges me, this is ministry. I just sense like this voice of the Holy Spirit, this is the work of ministry. It's like, oh yeah, it's not about me. It's about God, what you can do in someone's life. And I sat in that room humiliated by my pride in between myself and God, really, and prayed a prayer that was never heard by a human on this planet. Read a scripture that was never heard. It was me and God and this mom of a student in my youth ministry, which honestly made every ounce of bad that that student did over the coming years totally grace-covered because of a moment myself and God had in a room with that student's mom. That student later became pregnant as a teen and had a baby while in high school. But you know what? I clung to what was good. I did the work of ministry to serve and love her through and be present through her life that was challenged because you know why? Home was challenged. It was exhausting. I don't know. That's a work of ministry. That's really hard work. And the funny thing is, it's not just for pastors. Sure, maybe I hold the pass, password that gets me into rooms you would never want to be in. But you still get to do ministry in the lives of your family. At the table Thursday. Whatever that looks like in your home or the home you're going to. You have the opportunity to do ministry in your friends' lives, at school, students, at lunch, in your team. Being really present no matter what the challenge is. You don't know what home looks like until you're really present in their life. Live to understand what their life is like. I guarantee it will change your perspective when rough seasons hit. Maybe you have attention issues like I do. There, I love, having, I love having my wife in the service. Yeah, I, I am married. Some of you are like, you have a wife? Well, yeah, she's usually serving, right? And she's here, so I get a chuckle like that when I make a really good comment. Uh, anyway, uh, so I do have attention issues, which I just demonstrated right then. And, uh, and so when I'm in a conversation with somebody just pouring out their heart, like, it's not always easy for me to hear it all, just being honest. Um, I'm, like, really caring, and then I'm, like, a fly. And then I'm, like, really caring, and I'm, like, oh, who's that over there? ah!" You know, so I have to discipline to listen. It's not, maybe you're in my camp, and it's not that easy to demonstrate the, the love of presence, but yet it still is valuable to find a way to listen and hear and understand and grab a hold of things that you care about. I don't know, as followers of Jesus, we're challenged to be this in people's lives. Listen to this, verse 12, an additional challenge, leads us into our next thought. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. A couple weeks ago, I went to visit, <laughs> all these hospital visit stories, but it fit. Uh, I went to visit our first, one of our first drivers for our church, Jeff Graham, um, had a massive stroke a week and a half ago, and so I went to visit him in the hospital. I, again, didn't know what I was going to walk into, and, uh, and he was at a hospital in Bothell. Well, you know, they did this weird psychoanalysis experiment on 405 that makes traffic stop for most people, unless you have, like, a pass. I didn't have the pass. So I was parked for a long time on the freeway demonstrating the fact that I don't have patience. And so I was trying my hardest. I was trying techniques that, you know, breathe deep, loosen your grip on the wheel. It took, I was driving for over four hours, you know, just to get to Bothell. It was unbelievable. Why did I go on a Friday? Anyway, so I'm, you know, and I went in the, mor- I went in the off hours. There's no such thing as off hours. But, you know, I'm uh, just there in traffic and my patience is being tested. But guess what? Four hours behind the wheel of a car. To walk out presence in somebody's life when there's a challenge when they're in the hospital and they were so faithful to open life and serving. I'm going to sit in traffic for four hours. Jesus challenges us to be patient. So yeah, sometimes being present takes incredible patience, even physically time patience. But what about the other side of patience? What about when our patience takes years? How long should we pray for someone to experience the faith we've experienced, right? How long do we hold to that tiny percent of what is good when the choices are just bad, 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 but we're still present in their life? How long are we going to walk through life with them Is our love genuine? Is it really love? Because if it's really love, if we really unconditionally love people like Jesus did, the sin won't throw us for a loop. It's part of life. People will sin. I think the challenge of our faith is will we stick through that season of life with them, holding to what is good? Will we be patient? I think the key is given to us here. It says the challenge in verse, the verse there, verse 12, is to be patient and keep praying. Like that's the magic Jews. That's a big and keep praying. This is what helps me. I've found that when I pray for someone, I care more about their life. It just happens. when I'm, And just saying, God, I pray that you would help them through this financial situation. Now I care about their finances. I pray that you would help them get that job. I care about that job. I pray that you would be with them in this season. I pray that you would give them, uh, you know, favor in this or that. And you start to care and you're listening now. And then when they tell you their story, you now have an additional thing to pray about. It just helps you when your relationship is listen to understand and pray. Listen to understand and pray. And it gives you the patience. Prayer just slows everything down and puts it into such a bigger perspective. The more we pray, the more we care. And the more we care, the more we listen. And the more we listen, the more we have to pray about. So be patient. Keep praying. Verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Thought four, practice Hospitality. Here's a quote from a person that I can't pronounce their name except for Shauna Nyquist, maybe is the last name. Says, The heart of hospitality is about creating space for someone to feel seen and heard and loved. It's about declaring your table a safe zone, a place of warmth and nourishment. True hospitality is when someone leaves your home feeling better about themselves, not better about you. And maybe you could substitute the word home for presence. When someone leaves your presence feeling better about themselves than about you. Boy, there's books written about this. How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Or you know, Think and Grow Rich is one that is well. There's all these self-help books that are based off that concept alone. But it's in the Bible. We're supposed to practice hospitality. Don't make it about yourself. When, you, when your life is about Lifting others up, things change perspective. We got to experience that yesterday at Big Give. Those of you who came out to serve, thank you. And it was powerful. And I'll give you some statistics later and share some stories even later than that as they come in. But it's so powerful to see what is possible when we practice hospitality. And this word jumps out to me because it doesn't just challenge us to be hospitable here. It says practice hospitality. Hospitality is something we need to just practice to get better at. It's okay if you're in practice mode, right? Right actions bring right emotions. That's why teams practice before they play a game. To become repetitious and intuitively know the plays. Well, now you come back to being hospitable takes practice. It's just going to take time to land at being hospitable. It's about laying down our needs and lifting somebody up. Listen to this message passage of Matthew 7, 12. Here's a simple rule of thumb. Guide uh, guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's laws and prophets and this is what you get. I mean, you get something, you got to do it for them. And maybe there'll be a time, this is where patience comes back in, where you feel like, I'm always the hospitable one, I'm always the patient one, I'm always the one working hard. Yeah. Keep practicing, keep doing it, it works. But they're not loving back. They will. In time, they'll pretend they're resisting. I learned this over 13 years of youth ministry, and you love students and love students. Say hi to them in a hallway at their school, and and sometimes their friends are around, and they don't say hi back. They're like, "Oh, why is my pastor at school?" You know, and they just keep walking. It's going to be so uncool if my friends know I go to church. You know, so it's that moment right there, and then you're just like, "Hey, stop!" You know, and they're like, "Do you know that guy?" No, no, I don't. I don't know him at all. But it's that moment where you're just you know. Uh, you're trying to be a friend and hospitable and love and it's like, you know, why do I say hi and they never say hi back? Well, just keep saying hi because eventually it gets through and they secretively love it. It's a game that our families play. It's a game that will occur at the Thanksgiving table. Who can outserve the other? Right? It's not always about who can eat the most rolls, although that is a game we play at our house. But, you know, so it's no, you have the roll first. Oh. Yeah, it's like a challenge. Gotta give one before I eat five. Moving on. No, I'll let you have a piece of pumpkin pie. The other three pies are for me, right? Isn't that how it works? Practice in hospitality. I haven't mastered that one. Romans twelve, fifteen through sixteen says this be happy with those who are happy, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people don't think you know it all. I love that phrase, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. So thought five, enjoy people. Enjoy people. I don't know, it's something that I just have learned and and I'll find myself in a scenario and somebody's sharing a story and I like have no interest whatsoever in it, but I'm like, I love that. And it might be a story that isn't like, well, that's not very glorifying to Jesus, pastor. I'm like, but I love the humanity of that. Right? There's something about being in a prayer meeting and somebody drops an F-bomb in prayer. And that you're just like, not that I'm encouraging that. But the reality is, I love the humanity of that. I love the fact that somebody doesn't necessarily know that it's a faux pas to drop that word in prayer. Yeah. And uh, I love the humanity of it all. I love seeing progress and, and, and yet... I love loving even when I don't see progress. When it's just like, no, I just, man, I just love being present in this person's life no matter where they're at. And and developing those relationships and friendships is critical for us to experience all that life has to offer. We need to enjoy humanity. Not just some, we don't want to treat people like a project. We did not start this church six years ago to make church people We started this church to help people experience Jesus. And you know what's fun? It's watching people walk through the door and have a burden and a passion for someone that they're praying for. And then to watch them walk through the door. And to watch the Lord move in their life. And then maybe they go from walking through the door to serving at an event or whatever. I just... I look at the story and the humanity in it all, and I just go, thank you, God, for process, for life. Mark 2, 16 through 17, describes, this is like a description of Jesus, right? When the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him, Jesus, eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? I love how the New Living Translation translated that. Why does he eat with scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. We're all a mess. We're all messed up. Why do we pretend not to be? Why don't we just open up our lives, who we are, and let God transform us. And enjoy humanity. Enjoy people. Listen to understand. Be present. Our action point for today is simple and fitting. Be present this Thanksgiving. Wake up on Thanksgiving Day and go, how am I going to be present today? And maybe you have great limitations Maybe your health is a challenge and you can't be around people. Or maybe your family is in an ugly war season. How can you be present? How can this challenge reach into your room and snag your attention on Thursday? I just, that's the challenge. That's what we're praying for this week in your life. We're going to celebrate and and, and I'm going to, Turn the corner as to our response today. There's two ways. Our Connect card gives you an opportunity to tell us what's happening in your life and request prayer. And we want to celebrate what's happening in and through you. And we also want to pray for the needs you have. Uh, So you can fill out the Connect card and, and we'll hit that in a second. But during our response moment here, we as well have prepared communion today with honestly... It's not gluten-free anymore because that bread was needing a miracle. And so we did it. We just brought, fr- bought French bread. So anyway, just to let you know. Um, so we, we needed a miracle, and it happened. You know, this was water, and now it's juice. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so it's, but we, we uh, have grape juice and breads. So what is this about? Maybe you've never heard of uh, this thing called communion before. Jesus brought those that he was doing life with, that he was present with, his disciples, into a room before he gave his life on a cross for us. And he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that's going to be broken for you. And then he took a cup and and he passed it around and said, This is my blood, which I'm going to shed for you. When you drink this cup, remember me. And what's a more fitting thing that we could do on the week of Thanksgiving than give thanks to Jesus for being the ultimate sacrifice for us, for challenging us as well. Because he not only went to the cross and gave his body and shed his blood for our sins, which all of the Old Testament said had to have happened in order for us to truly live under love and grace that we're talking about today. But three days later, he rose from the grave and conquered death and hell to where now we have this promise of by putting our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. So this is an awesome moment. He says, Man, first make the decision to follow me as Jesus. And then, once you've made that choice, celebrate often by taking these elements bread and juice in our instance, as a representation of his body and blood. So I'm going to give you an opportunity here as I pray to, to choose to follow Jesus if you've never done so before. And then I'm going to say go and uh, you can go to the elements and and grab a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then you can take it. We won't make you hold it until we all take it together. Just take it at your own time and uh, Don't lick the bread before you dip it for the sake of the person in line behind you. Does that make sense? Everybody's tracking. And then come back to your seats because I'll pop back up and close the service. So, God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives and the opportunity we have to give thanks for the many, many blessings in our life this week. But the reality is there's humanity all around us. And there's bad all around us, but what's cool is you're challenging us to hold tight to what is good. I pray for the courage to do that this week. I pray that you would give us the opportunities to be present in the lives of those who maybe challenge our presence capacity. (laughs) But Lord, this morning, if we've walked through this door and we've yet to follow you, if we've yet to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to save my life that people would choose to do that right now by simply saying, Jesus, I choose you. I want to know what it is to follow you. I want to grow in relationship with you. As they pray that, Lord, they've taken the first step necessary to then celebrate what you've done on the cross through communion. You challenge us to follow you first so that we don't celebrate this in vain and take the elements bringing condemnation on ourselves, but that we would celebrate in faith and take these elements as a great thanks for the price you paid for us. So God, may this be a special moment for us. So worship team sings as we celebrate communion, as we reflect what you want us to do in our life as an action point this week from your word, move in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand and as you feel free to make your way to the elements, feel free to do that.